Good morning. This is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have author Joyce Mosley Pierce, who wrote her memoir, Saving Nikki. And she is here today to share some of her story and how her story evolved and led into her writing her book and sharing it with others and also starting a really wonderful website called Why Good Choices. Good morning, Joyce. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Angela. It's nice to be here. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background before we go right into the book. Um, was there something that compelled you to want to write, or had you done that in the past, or, or just give us a little background as to how this kind of evolved? Okay. Well, as a, as a child, I think I always enjoyed reading because it was kind of an escape for me and you know you can just get lost in the stories and and I love that and then I always have kind of played around at writing and I've been very faithful at keeping a journal every day for oh gosh at least the last 30 years and uh, really felt like the journal was something that helped me improve my writing skills because you know, it evolved from maybe, you know, what we do as children, keeping a diary to being a lot more wordy and describing things and feeling like I needed to record family events for posterity and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, somewhere along the line, going to college, I decided I wanted to become a better writer and that just led me to this. I mean, I just just really enjoy writing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always a good start when you want to share your story. <laughs> right. And I know you talked about um, earlier when we were talking before the show that you actually have been writing your story for about 30 years. Is that right? Right. Yes, there's, uh, I don't want to give away the closing of the book or the ending, but there. this chronicles uh, about four or five years in my life where there were some choices made that had some pretty serious consequences. And at the end, I was the only one left to tell the story. And I thought that was important for not only my children, but for anybody else who, who wanted a record of it and uh, ended up being good therapy for me. But, you know, that's that's what led me to feel like I really had, had a need and a desire to, to record it was really for my family. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I've done the same. That was my first book was my memoir and it was really specifically for my children but ended up being for a lot larger audience than I ever imagined. So I wanted to ask you so far what has the feedback been as far as your story and sharing the book with others? How has that helped to encourage and inspire other people? What's it's been very interesting to me that although um when I first wrote the book it had you know, it probably would be R-rated because I was working through a lot of things and trying to get my own answers as I, you know, created this dialogue between me and this other person in the book. His name is Anthony. Uh, my name in the book is Nikki, so it's that's why it's Saving Nikki. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, over the years, I realized that if it was going to be something that I wanted to put my name on, I wanted my children and and other youth to be able to learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I realized I needed to tone it down. So I think that's what took me 30 years was getting it from R to PG. Mm-hmm. And that totally makes sense. A lot of people have to do that because even when I tell people um, my experiences about writing my story and offer any tips or insight, I always say write first from your heart. Just pour it all out. And then mm-hmm. go back and shape it up to be something that can and should be shared with others. Because obviously, all of our real, honest, you know, gut emotions aren't always 
necessary to be shared to be able to tell a good story. Right, and my children were affected enough by this, whether they remember it or not. You know, they have they have long-term effects from what happened, too. And I know when I did my first draft, I gave it to my daughter, who by then was in college, and she just read a few pages, and she goes, I can't read this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know this much about what went on. And so, you know, I still can't get her to read it today, but um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from adult women as well as teenagers. It's been interesting to me that the teenagers can read it and see some of the steps that are taking place and thinking, what is she thinking? You know, why did she do this or that? And so I'm glad maybe our teenagers today are a lot more smart than than maybe we were back in the 60s or at least particularly me. Mm-hmm. But women love it too. And I've I really... You know, the feedback I've gotten from them is one of them was, um, she said, I've been, it's really touched me the way that you write about living in a dysfunctional home as a teenager and how that affects the child. Mm -hmm. And then she was interested in um, the abuse part of it. And so it made me question whether or not she was involved in an abusive situation at one time in her life. I knew she wasn't or felt like she wasn't now, but... She said it just reminded her a lot of what her sister was going through and how her sister couldn't seem to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and then somebody else said, I'm just reading it slowly because it's taking me back to my own life. And, you know, I'm recalling what good parents I had. Right. So, you know, it's not only hopefully helping people realize that even though you make a choice and it may lead you down the wrong path, there's always hope that your life can change. But then also that people are looking at their lives and maybe having a little bit more gratitude for the Mm -hmm. way they grew up and... Yeah, that so, makes sense. You can there's both sort of audience that appreciate what they have in front of them and that they haven't experienced such things and then those that have experienced and can see that life goes on and that you can get through some very horrendous things. So tell us a little bit more then about the book. It starts with your um childhood, I believe in your teen years. And right. where do you go from there? Well, I never get much out of the teen years, but uh, starting out, Nikki is just, you know, her her parents have divorced. Her uh, She lives with her grandparents for a while, and, you know, things are pretty secure there, but then her dad remarries, and her mother ends up just leaving the state because she's having a hard time dealing with this remarriage and, and feels like she's just going to be causing a lot more trouble than helping while Nikki... I always talk about her like she's my character instead of me, but um, the mother really just leaves because she thinks it'll be better for everyone else. Now, whether or not that's true, I guess I won't ever know, but um, just the father and the the new wife just are so distant that Nikki's just never getting any guidance or direction mm-hmm. from anyone, and so you know she meets this handsome young guy with a car and, and just really connects with him because they've both been through a lot of the same experiences and so whether whether it's going to be a good thing or not she doesn't know until she gets into it and then by the time she does get in she kind of realizes that she's made a mistake but by then she's trying to make a statement to everyone that she knows what she's doing and mm-hmm. and doesn't want to get out of it you know he's telling her that he loves her and he's always going to be there for her and yet he's abusive and any women who've been in an abusive situation know that you know they can be very loving and wonderful when they're on the good side, Mm -hmm. 
you know, trying to apologize for what's taken place, but can be really hard when you're going through the abuse. And I think for me, <clears throat> the one thing that helped me get away from it was my children because I didn't want my children seeing what was going on and I wanted them to have a better life. And mm -hmm. so That makes sense. And, and that too in itself, though, takes a lot of courage to be able to get away from a situation or a particular person, especially when children mm -hmm. are involved. Right. So basically the story evolves into um, being with this person and then was that the person that Nikki married and spent the rest of her life with? Um, she married him and they had two children and, you know, he was unfaithful, had an alcohol problem, got wrapped up in some things that were not good for him or for her. He was rarely home and not really supporting the family and all this time she's trying to keep smiling and get through it and not admit to anyone in the world that there's any kind of problem and, and then uh, he decides he's just, you know, at 19 he decides he doesn't want to be married anymore and so he takes off and leaves her pregnant and with one baby and you know, he's just had enough and so the grandparents come back into the picture, they help and help her get through that but another part of the book that I, I think is such a good lesson for people is that there are good friends who come to Nikki's aid, you know, might be people she hadn't seen in years, but all of a sudden there they are and really help her get through that time and encourage her to just keep moving forward and, you know, are there by her side, you know, even in the delivery room and staying with her all night during the birth of their baby. And, you know, friendship is such a wonderful thing. And, you know, the older I get, I realize I mean, I, I have been married now for 40 years to another good man, mm -hmm. and I appreciate the solid relationship that we have, but the older I get, the more I realize how much I really need my girlfriends. Right, right. That's and, a great point to make. And, you know, they just have been there throughout my life, and there's a character named Julie in the book, and she's always the one to come to Nikki's rescue, and Julie actually is several different friends of mine who were just there at different points in my life, but one of them who played just a pivotal part in the book is a friend of mine named Fran, and I saw her recently. We don't live in the same town, and, you know, we've maintained our friendship over the years, but, you know, we don't have to talk every day to keep that friendship, mm -hmm. and I was excited to go back home, which is Kansas City, Missouri, and take the published book back there and be able to give it to a few of the people who were involved in the story, and mm -hmm just so heartwarming for all of us to just hug each other and cry and, you know, think we survived that time. And I don't know what I would have done without them. They just were amazing. That's awesome. And, and those are the things that we like to share with people because sometimes we do feel very, very alone. But often if we look around, there are people there to support us and help us through the challenges, you know, of life. And what do you think the main points are that you've really expressed as far as the lessons learned and what someone could walk away with in reading Saving Nikki? I think just realizing that there's always hope. You know, bad things happen to good people. I mean, we've all made choices or that have been, you know, you can look back later and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I look at this and I think, if I hadn't got, if I hadn't been crazy enough to get in the car with this boy that first night, you know, where would my life have led? And then I, I look at my two beautiful children that came from that, and I think, you know, if I had to go through it all again to have the family that I do, I would do every bit of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love them so much, but you know, it's it's been, you know, my choice 
has made it difficult on my entire family, you know, even my children. Even though they really never knew him, there's always that knowing mm-hmm. that what happened, you know. Um, so I think that, you know, realizing there's always a way out and there's always something better. You know, for me, if you look at it, being pregnant the day that I started my senior year of high school and then having another baby, you know, being pregnant by the time I'm 19, mm-hmm. I could have very well ended up being a welfare mom or, um, you know, giving my kids up for adoption or, you know, and and not that that's necessarily the wrong thing to do for everyone, but for me, I I was married and I wanted my children and, and I think I was able to teach them a lot of lessons because of the things that I had gone through. You know, I, I clung to them. Sometimes I think I needed them more than they, they needed me mm-hmm. because I needed the love that they could offer to me. I remember holding my first baby and thinking, you know, I love you and no one will ever take you away from me. Right. And, you know, where all these other people in my life that I had loved, including my mother and now my husband, had just walked away. So, you know, holding on to my children was something that was really, really important to me. I didn't want to relive the mistakes that other people had made in my family. Mm-hmm. That makes so, a lot of makes- sense. And I think that's um, something very encouraging to say to others, because I know that sometimes it feels extremely hard as a single parent, even harder when you're dealing with domestic violence situations, um, even harder when you're a teen but there's always um, hope, and there's often one thing to hold on to, and that is the love for your child or children. Right. So I, I really appreciate that you shared that part. I think, too, you know, I've there have been times in my life where I didn't want to share my story, and then there have been other times that I'm really pretty, I'm very open about it, and probably more open than some of my family members would like for me to be. Mm-hmm. But I've met so many people along the way that have gone through similar circumstances, and I feel like, you know, because I am a survivor, and because I learned so much, and because I, I love the person that I am now, and I go back and look at the book, and I read it, and I have really come to love Nikki where I think I spent a lot of times hating her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think by being able to share my story with someone else that hopefully I've been able to help them, mm-hmm. I feel so blessed to be able to have a talent to be able to write my story down because it will reach so many more people. Right. So, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that's really obviously what Your Story Matters radio show is all about is that idea that, one, if we start to share our story, whether writing it or recording it in some manner, or even art and poetry, is so freeing and healing. And then Mm -hmm. the bonus to that, the icing on the cake, if you will, is how our story and what we've learned and walked through and overcome uh, actually encourages and inspires so many other people. And that was mm-hmm. the thing that I learned in sharing my story also is that I just, I never thought that it really mattered. I never thought anybody would want to hear my little story. And now yeah. we know that that's not true, that there's people that need to hear that we're all human. We all go through things, sometimes more difficult than others, but we all go through things. And we certainly are all flawed. We make choices that are mistakes, that we regret sometimes, that you know, deter our lives from where we had hoped or thought, but that doesn't mean that that's the end of it. That doesn't mean that there's no hope to go on and make a better life and to learn from it and then certainly to help someone else. 
Right, and if you do feel like you're at the end of your rope and you just don't think you can go on, there are so many people out there that are willing to help you. And, Absolutely. You, know, you may not think that they are, but they are. I mean, just look around you, and there's always someone you know who's going to care enough to get involved. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I, I agree with you there. Now, tell the listeners what the Why Good Choices web page is about and, and what's been happening with that. Uh, Why Good Choices is something I wanted to um, kind of be a sister site to Saving Nikki because I wanted the <clears throat> I wanted the readers to be able to go there and see some positive comments about choices. And so as I see different quotes that... I think might be inspiring or helpful, help lift them up, then I go in and post them there. But what I would really like to see happen is for readers or non-readers alike to go on there and share how they made a choice and maybe what the consequence is, because every choice has a consequence. And you can you can make the choice, but you cannot choose the consequence. You know, you don't know how it's going to end up. So there are a lot of people who've made wonderful choices, and they've seen great blessings and consequences for it. And there are people who've made choices that they're going to have to live with for the rest of their lives in one way or another. And I would just love to get something going where people would go on there and post their actual experiences. And I think that would be helpful to everybody, too, because... Like you're saying, you know, if you've been through something and you can share that with somebody else, then you're you're able to bless that person. And, you know, this is a huge world with so many people and you can't possibly have a conversation with every one of them. But if, if there's a place that you can go that helps give you that hope that you can go on, then that's what I'd like the Why Good Choices to be. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. I love the concept and I, I did go there myself and really liked already what I saw. So I hope to um, encourage others to go to, what is that website ad- address? It's whygoodchoices.com. Okay, so definitely check that out and you can post your comments there and find out more information about uh, what Joyce is talking about with that particular website, which is the sister site to Saving Nikki. And I wanted to have you share um, with the listeners, of course, I know there's a lot more in the book, which is great. Um, just talk to them about the idea of how you actually were able to get out of your situation and find that strength within yourself to take your children and get out of what was happening at that point in your life. I mean, you were very young. You didn't really have family support. So so what did you do? How did you find that inner strength? Well, things were going, not going well. And then um, I was pregnant with baby number two. And, you know, things seemed, you know, I thought, you know, some people think having a baby will just make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and generally it just puts more stress on you. Right. But um, I just rem- there's one particular incident that's in the book where um, Nikki has gone to tend to the baby and he comes in and he's mad because of something that she's done or a look that she's given or something and so he comes in there and starts screaming at her and then you know kicks her and knocks her down to the ground and you know she can't hardly move and so the baby is in the room in the crib and the baby's just screaming and so at that point she just thinks I'm I can't do this you know mm-hmm. I think I was willing to take the abuse for myself just because of my pride. 
mm-hmm. but I was not willing to put my children at risk for that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a turning point because uh, not not long after that, uh, you know, something else happened and <clears throat> he was mad about something and we were in the car and he just kept slapping at me the whole time we were driving and again I've got a crying child on my lap and and not being able to give him the answers that he wants to get him to stop and as soon as I got home I jumped out of the car and I just lost it you know it's like I can't do this anymore I want you out of here Mm -hmm. and so he left for a few hours then he came back of course crying and begging me to give him another chance but something really just snapped inside me that day and I just knew I couldn't go on mm-hmm. and he I did let him come back and he was there a couple of months and then he was the one who actually walked out but as your readers or as your listeners read the book and they see the the events that take place after that and how it all ends you can see that how grateful I am that I I got out of that situation when I did because I would have been putting myself and my children in danger and, you know, it could have been so much worse than it was. Right. So I'm very, very grateful for those things that led up to that and helped me have the good sense to know that whether he would have left when he did or not, I think I had had enough. And right. It's just hard to, it's hard to say goodbye. I mean, it's hard to put an end to something that you've fought so hard and you've lied to everyone about Mm -hmm. to try to convince them that everything's okay, Mm -hmm. but it's not. I... I'm working with a psychologist right now who's who's got a quiz that I want to put on my website. And the next printing of the book, I'm going to have a reference to it. But, you know, for women to be able to go online and look at those questions and see how they rate their relationship with whether family members or spouses or whoever. Right, right. To kind of say, yes, you are in a danger zone, you know. Right, and that's a you good need, Good point to bring up because I think that often, especially when we're young and inexperienced, naive, if you will, we sometimes don't even realize that we're in an abusive situation, especially an emotionally abusive situation, which often leads to the physical abuse. And and emotionally is every bit as harmful Yes, because it just damages your self-esteem. I was talking with someone the other day who had read the book and she said, I really love you know, the way that you've written it, she goes, I work with a lot of the youth at church and we've got this couple that are engaged and this girl said something about, um, she was so grateful for her fiancé because he points out all of her flaws Mm. and helps give her the opportunity to correct them. Mm -hmm. And that just breaks my heart because especially at this stage of the game where they're engaged, Mm -hmm. you would think they would just be lifting each other up instead of him putting her down. And and that's exactly what he's doing. And he's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Yes. That's a key sign to the first signs of abuse is the overly criticism, Mm -hmm. you know, from your partner is definitely can lead into a lot more. And I want to ask you then, based on that, you mentioning um, your self-esteem, what did you do you know, in those first few years even to find some sort of healing to get back your sense of self-worth? Because as we know, domestic violence definitely makes you feel like you're very much less of a person than anyone else in the world. 
So, mm-hmm. so what did you do to start to heal through that part of it? Well, um, I had to go get a job. And fortunately, I had a real talent for typing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always played the piano, and so I think my fingers were just suited for being able to type. And I had done some work for my grandfather in an office, and so... Um, as soon as my second baby was born and I was able to get out there and go to work, I I did that, and that's all in the book, too. It's I think that's kind of a cute and interesting story about how all that happens, but I think going back to work and and realizing that I really had a lot to offer that I didn't ever realize before. You know, I could go to work every day and be dependable, and I could do a good job and get compliments from people saying, you know, how much they appreciated what I had done. And then um, I remarried within a couple of years and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was busy raising children and we had another child. And as my kids got older, then I went to college. And that was really important to me too, because I would take a class and, you know, I might only take a class a semester, but I was working on it. Mm And it was really important to me to get those good grades because I needed to know that I was smart enough to be able to do that work. Right. So it it wasn't that I did anything in the first year that helped me really overcome all this because, like I said, I've worked on this book for 30 years mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, it's been a process of overcoming it forever. Right. But I think in the end, just being able to look back and, you know, I switch back and forth talking about Nikki or talking about me, but I really have come to kind of put Nikki aside. That's Nikki's story and this is my life. And sometimes for me, it just doesn't even seem possible that the two can be the same. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, having faith that, I mean, I'm active in my church and and knowing that God loves me was a big part of it, too, that mm-hmm. that he was there for me, whether I realized it or not. And the more I relied on him, the stronger I became. And Absolutely. everything just kind of fell into place. So mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I just wanted to bring that up because I know that a lot of times people, you know, that have just been so beat down, so to speak, physically, emotionally, and mentally, just have a real hard time getting back up there and, feeling good about themselves and so I think what you're saying is important it's the little things along the way that help you to feel like you've accomplished something and you've overcome something and that's part of the healing process obviously right and I when I look back at those years when everything seemed so you know I felt so desperate mm-hmm. I could have never imagined that I'd be on the phone with you today doing an interview about a book I wrote Right. You know, you it just is a step at a time. And, you know, again, I think just having faith in God and, and faith in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can look back and say, oh, my gosh, why did I why did I do this or that? But but I think, too, that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, why we may make a bad choice. It's all about how we step up to the plate and accept responsibility for what we did that helps get us through it, too. That's right. You know, and, um I think that's part of what's gotten me to where I am today. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's a great point to share because, you know, even when we make choices because we're young or naive or, or feeling desperate or whatever the case is, there's always an opportunity to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And that's um, part of what I liked about reading some of the excerpt of the book is that I think 
you really emphasize that. And I saw some of that too when I went to the Why Good Choices website is that, you know, it's really speaking to that fact that, yes, we do need to think ahead if we can and make good choices, but when we don't, we can also make another good choice to get out of that situation or to get through a particular thing that, you know, happened because of our choices, and that's just life. Yeah. I know one of the things that I taught my children was, you know, I wouldn't let them date until they were 16, and then when they started dating, you know, I encouraged group dates, and, you know, we'd encourage the girls not to find themselves in situations with a boy where you might lose control, you know. Mm-hmm. They they were encouraged not to drink, and so, you know, sometimes you lose your inhibitions when you're drinking, and you get in a car with a guy, and he takes you to some remote place, and you don't have your uh, senses about you. Right. All, all kinds of things can happen, but, you know, if you're staying together in a group, which I think is just one of the best pieces of advice that anybody can follow, mm-hmm. even as adults, you know, just not finding yourself in a situation where someone can either get the wrong idea or where things can happen that you aren't looking to happen. Right. You, that know, totally you see makes that all sense. the time at any age. That's true. Very good point. Uh, can you share with our listeners before we wrap up, where can they purchase the Saving Nikki book and how do they find out more about you? Sure. Uh, they can go to the Saving Nikki website and buy the book and it goes through PayPal, but you can use any credit card. And that website is S-A-V-I-N-G-N-I-K-K-I.com. Or uh, if you go to the site, there's a tab on there for how to buy the book. And I still buy it through Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Thank you, Joyce, so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And again, if anyone would like more information, they can contact Joyce through her website and order her book, Saving Nikki. And I wish you a great day and continued success with your book. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. You're very welcome.